Okay, ready? They see me rolling, they hating, patrolling, trying to guess me riding dirty. 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 It sounds like Patrice is ready. Yeah. And I'm ready. So I'd like to say, hi, campers. How are you doing this week, Patrice? Dirty? This uh. is a family podcast. <laughs> I did not think that through before I'm sorry, I said that. People. The boys are doing good. I'm doing good. And well, Patrice has some things to work out. <laughs> but we're here with another new episode. And as always, I think you're going to like it. So for this week's episode... I was thinking multiple different stories, and a friend of mine had actually listened to an episode. He listened to episode 81, Tales of Akumio, which, if you hadn't had a chance to listen to it, basically, this episode goes over the folklore in South Korea about a nine-tailed fox that has had a prevalent presence in the country and in its culture. And so, you know, his name is Vincent. Shout out to Vincent. And he had asked me, like, hey, why didn't you talk about any of the nine tales that are in, you know, Japan? And I was like, oh, well, you know, it's a South Korean episode. I didn't want to mention too many different stories or folklore when the specific story was about South Korea. So I figured, you know, since we didn't get a chance to do it, and, you know, we had mentioned it recently, I decided to look into this idea of the Japanese nine-tailed fox. Now, I don't know if some of you out there remember, but I had mentioned a few times that I was watching a show called Naruto. And oh, in yes. Naruto, there's a nine-tailed fox. And recently, I just finished the whole series. And so I was thinking to honor, you know, telling my friend Vincent I was going to cover the story. And then also the fact that I finished Naruto. And this is kind of like a chronological thing of my life that we do the tale today. And the nine-tailed fox living in Japan is known as a kitsune. So grab a drink. We're chilling around the fire. And I think it's time for us to get into this week's episode. <music> I think is cool about the stories that we tell here on the podcast what's that i think what's cool is that you could be in a totally different part of the world and you would have heard or been told a similar story or an experience that somebody had with some type of tale you know for example when i say that i mean like bigfoot you know there are multiple different regions within the united states that you get a story of a bigfoot true and then you can even go to like you know, hear a story about a Yeti, which is a snow version of a Bigfoot, or just different things like that. Or the Lady in White, we have La Llorona. But then, you know, as we did that live episode in Valley Center, there's the Lady in White at Elfin Forest. So I just think it's pretty cool to think that stories make the seemingly huge world a little bit smaller. Mm. But also the idea surrounding a story and like the presence of a story is actually very big. It's bigger than you actually think. Because it goes generational to generational to generational things. And, you know, it becomes this thing that people really think about and it grows a life of its own, even if it's just a story. Hmm. And, you know, I might've said that once or twice, but I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. So I'll say it this time too. 
But anyway, I know you're all here for a story, and I, like I said, I have a pretty cool one. And this is all to preface the fact that we did do a Nine-Tailed Fox episode about South Korea's version, but now we're going to do the episode about Japan's version, and there is going to be some differences. So if you haven't had a chance to go listen to episode 81, The Tales of Akumio, which, if you're wondering, yes, I wrote tales as in T-A-I-L-S. <laughs> and so I was like, ha, Dylan, you're hilarious. But um, let's get into this story because it's actually pretty good. So what is Japan's version? Well, to start, the name of the nine-tailed fox is Kitsune, which literally translates to fox. And this name can hold true for both ordinary foxes and even the supernatural ones. Now, you might be wondering, well, what's the difference and how the heck do foxes get so many tails? Well, don't worry, because that's exactly what this whole episode's about. So legend states that once a fox survives 100 years of life, something magical happens. And this fox gains another tail. And this continues to happen every 100 years or so, till the fox has a maximum of nine tails. Now, just saying the term nine tails, it makes me think of, and I'm hoping that you're thinking this too, Patrice, but the Pokemon named nine tails. Oh, I was thinking that before you mentioned Naruto. <laughs> I was thinking you were saying before you even mentioned anything about nine tails. I'm like, why were you thinking about that Pokemon in particular? <laughs> but basically, you know, this Pokemon is the one who had fire-like moves and it was beautiful with its all-white fur and had nine tails and red eyes. It was just pretty badass looking Pokemon to me it was a fox and I think that in its entirety even the story of the Kitsune you can just envision this nine tails mm -hmm. because as a Kitsune gets older like its colors change so it'll start off a little bit more red by the time it hits that ninth tail it'll be a beautiful white bird fox so just visualize nine tails but these nine tailed foxes have actually been so well known throughout Japan's history like I said, with Pokemon. And this folklore also finds its way in other anime, like I also said, Naruto, and his name in the show is Kurama. And he's like this super strong fox. He's a tailed beast, and he becomes Naruto's guide and friend after giving him a super hard time. But, you know, he's good people, so it, it's cool. And, you know, we see how culture kind of makes its way into art in this sense because you're watching, like, this back history turn into like current day history through art through anime and you know what i'm gonna say it because i was thinking something and i didn't want to say it because i didn't want anime people to come for me but you know what i don't care i got a podcast so i'm gonna say it i'm going to loosely connect another show to the nine-tailed fox but it's for good reason so i know that people don't think of it as an anime but avatar the last airbender People don't think of it as anime? No, because it's an American-made show. Oh, I didn't think I knew that. Yeah, Patrice watched... Well, you watched Prado Naruto, so you've seen Kurama, like yeah, the Nine-Tailed Fox. I've seen Kurama. You've seen Pokemon, you've seen yep. that Nine-Tailed Fox. Now, I don't know if you remember this particular episode in Avatar, but there's an episode where they're searching for the hidden library. You know how they're, like, flying through the sky? Right. And they're looking for this library, and they can't find anything... Except Toph. Remember when she goes, there it is! And you're like, what, really? And she goes, that's what it'll sound like when one of you actually spots the place. I'm blind! Toph is the best. And so there's this episode, and they're flying through on Appa, and the only way that they were able to find this library 
was because there was a fox that was bringing something back. And it made its way up this little tippity top of the library and it makes its way inside. I don't know, do you remember that? I don't remember that part, no. Remember, and Sokka's in there and he's like, oh, we have these foxy creatures. And then Sokka's like, yeah, they are pretty foxy. And then they're like, I think he means that they're actually foxes, not that they look, you know, foxy. Oh, Sokka. So I know that it's loosely tying this whole thing together. But I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about this whole thing. And I'm going to see if I can explain how these foxes are actually knowledge seekers and that they're super helpful to the whole operation within the library and the things in Avatar, at least for that arc. And so I'm doing, you know, my research, and it, it only just kept making me think of this one scene, the one that I mentioned to you from Avatar. And as I was going further and further into what I was able to find about the Kitsune, one thing that I learned is that there are various different powers a Kitsune can actually possess. And it's usually linked to elements like fire, water, earth, or air. Avatar. What? Did you say Avatar? <laughs> I did not. And also, Naruto. Like, they all have, like, elemental aspects not the foxes in particular, at least Naruto, they kind of do. But like the people in Avatar, they usually are connected to elements. So that's the same. The lemurs the... in Avatar. <laughs> He's an earthbender. But <laughs> um, the Kitsune, you know, they have different powers. So like water, ice, electricity, like depending on what region they're from, they're usually associated with different types of powers like that. So that's one connecting, you know, piece to me bringing back avatar into the whole scenario and then in addition to those powers they actually are also able to shapeshift to create illusions and so much more which we'll get into a little bit later but i'm working on making a point here so follow along just for a little bit longer and so after i learned that among the various versions of kitsune there are also believed to be two groups that a kitsune can fall into which are the zenko and the yako now, this is a story based in Japan, and I am not Japanese, but I will do my best. I try to look up how everything sounds, and, well, here we are. So if I say something wrong, I'm so sorry, let me know. So the Zenko are Kitsune, and they act as messengers for a god known as Inari. And Inari is a god or a deity that's in charge of prosperity and agriculture and smithing. I couldn't think of another word except for laborer. But basically, yeah. like anything that has to do with that, that's what the god is for. And this deity has been known and honored by the Japanese throughout its history for over a thousand years. And people created numerous shrines throughout the country in the name of Inari. And just to link this for you, because it was pretty cool for me, you know those famous red Tori gates in Japan? Mm -hmm. Did you ever watch um, Memoirs of a Geisha? Do you remember how that little girl's like running and there's like those red statue-like gates and she's like running through them? It's that picture that you know, like if you're thinking of like the red wooden right, gates, yeah. it's the one that you're thinking of. So those actually lead up to an Inari shrine. Oh, okay. And so that's when I say those gates, that's what I'm talking about. But anyway, so this deity, you know, like I said, has been honored and he has numerous shrines and people actually filled some of these shrines with fox statues. Actually, almost all the shrines have fox statues. And the one that has those gates that I mentioned, those red Tori gates, is in Kyoto. But there's also another shrine, which I think is so cool. And I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to say this right, but 
um, there's a temple known as the Toyokawa Inari Shrine. It's actually a Buddhist temple, but within this temple, anybody's welcome to come and, you know, do their rituals or religious things that they need to do. But within this temple, there are thousands of Kitsune statues with red scarves all over. And it's looking at it as breathtaking. It's just, I don't know, inspiring just to see how many of them are there because they're so important to the culture. Like, you know, to my point, it's because in Japanese culture, this god actually relies on the Kitsune as a messenger to people. And kind of like how the owl, who was a spirit of sorts, an avatar relied on his fox spirits, you know, the little foxy dudes, to huh. go out and get information and then bring it back to him so he can stay on the up and up of what's going on in the world. So in my mind, I was able to connect this, you know, because the owl needed the foxes as a messenger, and now this deity, this god, uses them as a messenger, but also not just that, but to bring about peace and prosperity to the people that they go see. Most people love Kitsune, so it's pretty cool. You know, I was like, okay, messengers for the gods, this owl and avatar had this messenger that was a fox. So I feel like even though it's not a Japanese-based anime, they usually focused around some of those cultural aspects of the whole thing. Right. And so anyway, that was me making a long way around. But my point is, you know, there's some similarities there. You know, elemental bending, <sighs> messengers that are foxes. It just seems coincidence, I think. Not. <laughs> anyway, mic drop. That's me making my point. And so I'm going to move on. So where was I in the story? Oh, yeah. I mentioned that there are two groups that the Kitsune can belong to. One being the messengers that is uh, protected by the Inari. So the Inari actually protects those Kitsune. And those are known as the Zenko. And they actually have the ability to ward off the Yako. And they can bring about peace and prosperity from the gods, like I had mentioned. So most people love them. And they actually will feed them fried tofu because these little foxy dudes love fried tofu so you can leave it out as an offering for them maybe they'll stop by and bring you some peace which hey i might leave some out tonight but <laughs> um but there's this other batch of kitsune known as the yako and both of these two they have extremes and i'd say out of all the yako that i read about there was one that did a number on the people that was so powerful like you soon wouldn't forget it and no it's not kurama He's a cool dude. He just wanted to mind his own business, but ninjas and shinobi, they're doing some crazy ass stuff, then acting a fool, and he had to shut it down because if he didn't shut it down, then, well, hey. But now he's friends with Naruto, and I'm going to leave it at that. But the story I wanted to share with you is one about a woman named Tamamo Nome, and she's believed to be the most well-known Yako out there. So it's a long story, but basically she was born almost 4,000 years ago, and decided that all she wanted was power and control in her life. And what differentiated her from other Kitsune is that she was smarter, she was more cunning, and she had a higher level of power that was basically unmatched by anybody. So eventually she earned her nine tails and took off to China, where she got so close to the emperor of the Shang dynasty, and she used her powers to eventually bring down the entire dynasty. And by the time people figured out what she did and who she was, they were like, let's get her, let's make her pay for her crimes. Well, she just up and dipped. She was gone. So she pops up later in India, right? And she uses her powers to make herself look like a beautiful young lady. Because remember, she's a kitsune. She's a fox. But they have this illusion ability. They have the ability to shapeshift. So she shapeshifts into this beautiful lady. And she gets close to 
the leader of, you know, the country at the time and the towns that she was in. And she gets him to start destroying the villages and killing people. And he does it. He does it willingly because she just has him entranced. And eventually, like, his people start to turn on him and, like, they get pissed. And he ends up finding his way to Buddhism somehow. But once he, like, I, this story is interesting, but once he finds Buddhism, he's no longer under the spell of Kamamon no Me, which is interesting because, you know, it wasn't really a religious aspect at that time, but maybe he just had another sense of power. So she decided, okay, well, back to China for me. And she did, you know, some unspeakable things once again, ruin people's lives, getting close to people, portraying a beautiful young lady, and everybody was just down for the cause. But there was a lot of side effects to the whole situation. Now, it wasn't until her return to Japan that the craziest thing would happen. Instead of using a beautiful woman to persuade people, she came back in the form of a baby. And she was picked up on the side of a road by a family, and they raised her as their own. Now, eventually, around the age of seven, she was able to read for the emperor, and to everybody, she seemed so smart, so talented, the most beautiful young lady anybody could have asked to be around. And so much so that everybody loved her without question. And eventually it was decided that the emperor wanted her to work for him and be around him all the time. And can I just quick side segue here? I don't know that she was really smart. Like, I know that initially we said she was smarter than people. But also at the same time, she's probably been around for a few thousand years at this point. <laughs> so I'm probably thinking that maybe she wasn't just super smart. She just lived through it all. She's this old bitty portraying to be this like seven to ten year old girl at this point. And she's like, I'm a genius. But really, she's like, I saw that. I was there. I Shane invented Di mathematics. She's like, Shane Dynasty, I brought it down. <laughs> But that's just my side note, but I digress, and the story continues. So basically, she got older, and the emperor loved her so much that he didn't just want her to work for him. He wanted her to be his wife. So he married her. And after that, like almost immediately after that, he got deathly sick. Hmm. Which, to me, it's like you couldn't have just even tried to ease into taking over the country. You couldn't just, like play the good wife and keep people on your side. No, you just needed to have that power. So you just went and got him all up and sick. So anyway, so he got really sick and he ended up calling for this fortune teller to come and tell him like, hey, what's gonna happen? Where's the future? Like, where do you see me and what's going on? Well, the fortune teller tells him somebody that's close to you has cursed you and they're hurting you. And you know, you need to figure out who they are and get rid of them. So he doesn't believe that because, you know, he's the emperor and he thinks he's beloved by all, but he doesn't get any better. And she is just doing her thing, probably just coming up with another plan to cause torment. And he's just dying. So he calls upon the fortune teller one more time. And this time the fortune teller comes back and he said that the person causing him his illness was Tamaman no Me. And basically they were able to deduce that you know, none of this actually happened until he married that beautiful young lady who was so smart and loved by all. So they were able to deduce that that's who she was. So they created a plan. Now, basically, this fortune teller has magical abilities and things like that. But he knew that if she was the kitsune that they all thought, she wouldn't be able to perform a certain religious ceremony. So they go there and they tell her, like, hey, we got a ceremony that we want you to do. 
And she goes, oh, no, thanks. I don't really want to do it. And then they're like, well, it'll make you like this much more powerful in the country. Like, you should really do it. The people really want to see you do it. And they end up convincing her, like, hey, this is a good idea. And so she's like, all right, fine. Let's do it. And she starts to perform the ritual. And she failed. She could only do part of it. She couldn't do the whole thing, which was the ploy. But once she failed, she immediately disappeared. Huh. And a while after her disappearance, a nearby village was being tormented by her. And so the emperor at the time, you know, he finally started to get better because she wasn't there. So he sends a troop of 80,000 people who were blessed, like religiously blessed, so they would be protected by her, you know, powers and her darkness. And he was like, get rid of her. And so they're like, no problem. They head out and they find her and they start to fight a fight that would be relentless. And the night before they actually completed this war and this fight, she appeared to everybody in a dream as a little girl and begged them to not kill her. Hmm. She's like, please, you know, just me, a little girl. And they woke up and they were like, nope, we're choosing violence. So they (laughs) finally got her. She got hers. And when they finished her off, everything seemed like it was done. But you know how they say, like, evil just doesn't die? Yeah. Well, it didn't because her soul or whatever, the evil power that she had was allegedly put inside a rock. And there's this rock. It's actually known as the Killing Stone. Oh, I have heard of that. Have you heard of that? Yeah. And it's in Japan. And so it was believed that anybody who touched it would immediately die, like, after, like, in that day. And so the local person in charge at the time had touched it, and he didn't know that, you know, Tamamanome, her soul was in there. And so he died. And so people ended up sending, like, religious people out there to bless it and to put, like, any, like, type of sacred things that they needed to put around it. And, it, you know, now eventually it's supposed to be cleansed and there's no evil, but I'm not about to rush out there anytime soon to find out if it's real or not. I mean, I might want to go see it and take a picture, but I'll post a picture for everyone to see online. Now, like I said, there were extremes, and Boyoboy was just an extreme, to both sides. So usually, people are happy to see a kitsune. They usually try to help people, and you can actually make deals with them, like where they bring you and your family prosperity and happiness. And I'm sure if you feed them some fried tofu, they wouldn't be mad at that either. And I don't think that all of our fears are elated with tamama no me, like whole incident. So if you're worried about that, possibly happening again well there are usually signs where you can see if a kitsune has transformed if you look super closely you'll see fox like features it could be the jawline it could be the teeth some people say that their ears i think as a kitsune actually gets older and more powerful their shape-shifting abilities get more perfected over time so sometimes if you're seeing a younger one you might be able to see those features um and then some of their favorites to do in terms of appearance are beautiful women some kids and elderly men they're also able to take over your body by entering through your fingernails. I don't know how that works, and that sounds very painful to me, but this is known as a kitsune tsuki. And basically, you know, depending on what they want, they can wreak havoc in your body. And usually this happens because you treated them badly in a sense. Like, it could have looked like a normal fox, and you, like, throw a rock and, like, get! And they come to get their revenge by doing this. <laughs> Now, if you feel like you know someone who's being controlled by a kitsune, you can look for the physical features, like I said. Or I also mentioned that their favorite treat is the fried tofu. So it's also said if you see somebody that you know eating an enormously huge amount of fried tofu, 
then look at them and be like, mm, we need to go get you, you know, blessed, you know, because they might be cursed with the Kitsune Tsuki. So to get rid of this possession, there's a smoke technique where they just kind of like burn pine around you and it's supposed to smoke out the spirit. Now, if that doesn't work, you can also do something else, which is going to that Inari shrine and then having an exorcism performed. Now, I think if you're trying to reward a Kitsune, offering them fried tofu won't go wrong. And also going to the shrine and just giving them the respect that they deserve. You know, you see their statues there and just praying to them and being thankful for the good stuff that they do do. But if you're trying to ward one off, then it's always a good idea to keep a dog around you. Because even if they are just a regular kitsune or maybe even a supernatural one, they don't like dogs. They hate dogs. Anyway, so for some reason, you're really trying to get rid of a kitsune. And when I say get rid of, I mean get rid of. The only ways to do that are to get rid of each of their tails, whether that's cutting them oh. off or you know doing something to them. But it's believed that only one of those tails actually holds all their power in them. So you have to figure out which one's the right one. And if you do, then the kitsune will eventually perish. It's also said that kitsunes keep an orb with them. And the orb is allegedly like what holds their soul in it and their power abilities. So usually when a kitsune is settled in wherever they want to be, they'll hide that orb so no one can find it. There are different versions of what they do with that orb. Some say they don't have an orb. Some say they do. Some say that's where the power comes out. Some say it's just their soul. But there's an orb which has an ability you know, that they want to either protect or they'll hide in order to keep people from knowing where it is. But anyway, that's a long story. <laughs> and I think there's a pretty cool one, too, because it's so different than the one that I told about the Kumio in South Korea. Oh, yeah. But it's also pretty cool because we got to mention so many different animes like Naruto and <laughs> Avatar The Last Airbender and even just Pokemon. But the story itself was pretty cool, like to know that there's these foxy-like creatures going out and about, trying to bring about prosperity and whatnot. What'd you think? Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, that one chick was cool. Oh, you liked the Tamama no Me? Yeah, that's her name. Yeah, I she's thought, just doing what she pleased. I mean, that's why I was like, you can't be mad at her. She was smarter than everyone, more conniving, and she had the power to back it up. For over thousands of years, she caused torment, and when it got bad, she's like, deuces. Good and for her. On to the next. She went back to just, China and did it again. Just doing what we all want to do someday. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she definitely did her thing. I wonder if the good ones fight. Well, you did say the good ones ward. You said they ward off the bad ones, but did they fight? Is there clan wars between them? I don't know if there are clan wars. That's what I was about to say. Like, I don't know if there was a powerful, like a super powerful Kitsune that was able to defeat her at the time. But also, like, the kitsunes, you know, who were trying to be the messengers and trying to do the good things, probably were also looking out for the people in a sense. Like, maybe if they get their way around to them, they can still protect them without trying to destroy Tamamanome. I guess. So, I'm not sure if they have turf wars. I didn't read any stories about that. It was just a lot of facts and a lot of historical and cultural information that I was trying to piece together with all these animes that I was thinking of. I don't know. You've been watching Bleach. Have you seen any like nine-tailed like foxes or anything um, like that? Yeah, not, none that come to mind. I'm sure I have seen a fox or something in there, but none that really, nothing that I really think of for sure. It's just interesting. You know, I feel like especially in 
different countries, like in even in Mexico or you know in Asia, they have a lot more spiritual connectedness than we do. Yeah, I think so, that's true. So it's interesting to see like this kitsune, which is like a fox, a normal ordinary fox, like can live this long, and it becomes more of a spiritual being than it is just, you know, a physical one. Yeah. And then they're connected to gods and they help them. So anyway, well, that's the story of the Kitsune, the nine-tailed fox from Japan. I hope that you enjoyed listening to it. It's a lot of facts, um, but it was fun. And Avatar is an actual anime. You're welcome. So <laughs> with all that said, I'm going to say goodnight. But go ahead and check out our Instagram, Facebook at Campfire Adventures Podcast. And then we'll have source material, pictures of all the fox-like creatures, the foxies that we talked about. And you'll, like I said, source material and the episode itself on our website at www.campfireadventurespodcast.com. And then I guess, you know, we are around the actual campfire, chilling, having a good time. So that's the noises that you heard. But with all that said, I'm going to say good night. So what do you listen to this in the morning or the evening? Hope you have good morning or good evening. Bye. Bye.